question. Let me say this to all of us here today, folks. America is no greater than nobody else. anybody else. We're not extra special in no wise. American people are not any smarter. We're not more, even though there's so many inventions and developments have come out of America, we're no smarter than anyone else. It's just God's blessings on this nation. And when God's blessings is on any nation, that nation will prosper, that nation will grow, that nation will be blessed. And that's why we are blessed. It's because of God, not because of us. But if you hear a lot of voices out there, they're saying, oh, it's us, 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 us. Forget that. It's him, him, him. Praise the Lord. God Almighty. Praise the Lord. So uh, we are going to go into our lesson here today, God's five commitments to us. I'm going to have you turn with us to Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6. And I'm going to read down through verse 8, 6 through 8. And then I'm going to be touching back on this verse, this passage of Scripture, all through our Bible lesson here this morning. And if you'll look with us here in these, and this is the one at the very top of your Scriptures, then number one here, God's five commitments to Israel. And this was taken from the Old Testament here. Look at it very closely in verse 6. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. Number one, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage. Number two, and I will redeem you. Number three with a stretched out arm and with a great judgment. This is the Lord talking to Moses before Moses went in and told Pharaoh, let my people go. This is what God was telling Moses. I'm going to do this. And here's what I'm going to do. And he said, I'm going to bring the people out. I'm going to rid you of all their bondage. I'm going to redeem you. I'm in verse, the latter part of verse six now with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. Verse seven. And I will take you to me for a people. This is number three here. I will take you for a people here. And he goes on to say here, uh, and I will be to you, uh, this is number four, brother. I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Verse eight, and this is the last one here. This is uh, the fifth one. And I will bring you in. I will bring you in into the land concerning which thou did swear to you. And Abraham, I will give you this for a heritage. I will bring you in. I'll take you out of that of Egypt and I'll bring you in. Now, I just want to say this as, a, as an overall view here. The Lord will take us out of the world and has taken us out of the world and he will bring us in. And bringing us in has taken us to heaven. And praise the Lord that we may have a glorified body like as unto his glorified body. And just as Jesus died and rose again, he is the first fruits of the resurrection. So when the resurrection happens to God's people, the rapture takes place. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. But that rapture or that catching up or that uh, caught away experience that God is going to give us, praise the Lord, is the resurrection that is like unto his resurrection, just as Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and has a glorified body. We do not yet know how we shall appear, but we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 
And the Bible goes on to say another place, we will have a glorified body like as unto his glorified body. Now, that's the hope we have. And so the Lord has said, I will take you out of the world. Take you not, not out like going to heaven, but take us out of the sins of the world. I'll take you through. I'll make you my people. I'm going to talk to you about all these things. And then one day I'm going to take you in. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm looking here at what the Lord promised Israel. He said, Israel, uh, to Moses and tell Israel, I'm going to bring you out and I'm going to do and I'm going to uh, bring you out of your bondage. I'm going to rid you of your bondage. I will give I will redeem you. I will take you into my people. I'm going to talk about each one of these. And finally, number eight here, I will bring you in now. I want you to go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to show you why that we're using these scriptures here. 1 Corinthians 10 and 11. 1 Corinthians 10 and 11. And this is just bringing it into the New Testament. That's where we are. We're not in the Old Testament. We're not coming out of a literal Egypt and going into a literal promised land. But here's what the Lord says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In verse 11, now all these things happen unto them. This is the Jews of the Old Testament. All these things happen unto them. And he just named all of it here in this first part of the 10th chapter. And I won't go into detail on that. All these things happen unto them for in samples or examples, as we would say today. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So these things that shows them how they were brought out of Egypt and how God brought them through the wilderness. So they are given as examples to us that we have a spiritual walk with God, very similar to that. Now, to add to that and to confirm it, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I'm reading here from Romans 15:4. This is the next verse that you have right next to that one. Romans 15, 4. You see it on your notes there. And it says, For whatsoever things were written afore time, that is, in the olden times, before time, that's the Old Testament, for whatsoever things were written afore time were written for our learning. For our learning. So these are all examples unto us that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. So I'm just telling you here that the Lord is telling us in the Old Testament and what happened to them in the Old Testament is a type. Another place that does talk about it uses the word that's a type of. That's a type of what we go through spiritually in spiritual things. So I want to go to number two here very quickly here. The five commitments to Israel. And I'm going to go to A here. I will bring you out. So referring back to that very first scripture that we read to you here. He said, wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out. I will bring you out from under the burdens of, of Israel. Let me just say this today, that God has promised that he will bring us out. And uh, he's going to bring us out mightily. Bringing us, us out is bringing us out of the world. Whatever the world we were in, whatever sin we were in, whatever bondage we were in. He said, I'll bring you out of that. And he said, "I'll and look at look what he says over here in uh, uh, in uh, in Exodus chapter. I'm going back to Exodus six six. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Now I want you to look here. What happens? What happened whenever he did bring them out? 
and I'm reading in Exodus, uh, pardon me, in Numbers 33. It's in your scriptures there. Numbers 33 and 1. Look at this very closely here. How uh, how they went out. So look at these very closely here. These are the journeys of the children of Israel. Which went out, went forth out of the land of Egypt and their armies under the hand of Moses. Look at verse 3. And they departed from... Ramses, we was the, uh, the, the Pharaoh at that time. They departed from Ramses in the first month on the 15th day of the first month on the morrow after the Passover. The children of Israel went out with a high hand. Everybody say a high hand. A high hand. That means they didn't go out tuck headed. They didn't go out, you know, saying, I don't know whether this is the right thing or not. They went out with a high hand. That was like this. They marched out. God was on their side. The Egyptians stood back and watched them go and could say nothing about it. They went out with blessings upon them. For God had laid upon the hearts of those Egyptians also to bless them with gold and silver and with substance and so forth. And he gave that to them. And those children of Israel, when they went out, they went out with a high hand. And the Lord said, I'm going to bring you out. And I'll bring you out, praise the Lord, in a very dignified way. Not tuck it. When God saves us out of the world, folks, it's not like that we slip out of the world and we slip into the church and so forth. No, God brings us out with a high hand. Praise the Lord. He gives us victory in our hearts. We stand up. And throw our shoulders back and says, I'm going to be a child of God. And I'm going to live for the Lord. And I'm going to serve the Lord. And we begin our walk with God, praise the Lord, with a high hand. We may not understand all the details and everything. But praise the Lord, we don't do it tuck-headedly. Praise God. God brings us out of the world. So that the world can't say, oh, you don't belong there. Pull you back in the world. No, no, no. We belong here. That's why we need the power of God in our lives when we come unto him. And that power of God, praise the Lord, gives us the courage, the faith, uh, everything that we need, the spirit of God within us to give us the power to walk with God, to live for the Lord and to serve the Lord. Whenever the Lord, is just before he ascended into heaven, he said to, the, uh, to those disciples, go back in Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued with power from on high. He's talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that's the power from on high to give us faith and strength, and courage, and all the things that we need in the Spirit to live for God and to serve the Lord. So they did not go out uh, with tuck-headed and looking around as if they're slipping out through the night. They went out in broad daylight first thing in the morning and started walking with a high hand, and they went out in victory. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm just pointing out to you, look also in Hebrews 13.5. I'm here in... uh, Hebrews 13, 5, I think it is. Let's see here. I'm sorry, Matthew 28 is one I want. Matthew 28. Matthew 28 and 18. This is showing us that the Lord, whenever he saves us Gentiles, he had all power to do it. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples now after the Jews had rejected him and he was to send into heaven. And he said now, Jesus said in the 18th verse, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me. Notice that. If you've got your Bibles, underline that with a 
good pen. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power is given unto Jesus. So Jesus can say what he's going to say. Go, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And the Father is not a name, Son is not a name, those are titles. And the Holy Ghost here is not a name, it's a, it's a description of God's Spirit. Praise the Lord. Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, these are titles. I, my name is Jackson E. Myers, but I am, I'm a, I'm a father, but that's my, not, father's not my name, and I'm a son, and that's not my name either. I'm a husband, that's not my name. Praise the Lord, but my name is Jackson E. Myers. Well, he said, all powers given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and bat teaching all nations, baptizing him in the name, that's Jesus, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and, and, and uh, Acts uh, 4.12 says, there's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved in the name of Jesus. I won't go any further. I spoke on that last week. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. I am with you always. So the Lord was saying here, just like he told Israel, I'm going to take you out with a high hand. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take you in, take you through and take you into Canaan's land. And he's telling us, I am with you always. He'll never leave you, folks. When you come to the Lord... And you begin to serve God, He will never leave you. You don't, don't leave Him, and He won't leave you. Now, you may go through some trials, you may go through some tests, you may go through some hard places, but the Lord's not gonna leave you. Praise the Lord, He'll be with you. And I know I've been living down for Him for some 65 years. I don't, I forgot, 70, 71 years it is. I've been living for God 71 years now. And I can tell you, he will never leave you. I went through some tough places sometimes. Praise the Lord. One fellow said he never never missed a meal. He said he postponed a few, but he never missed any. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Never missed a meal. God always looked after us. One time I was going through a hard place, and the guy said to me, you know, if you go down here to the Salvation Army, they'll give you some money and help you get some groceries. And another guy said, if you go down here to the Shriners Club, they'll help you out, and they'll give you some groceries and everything. And I gave some thought to that and I said, nope, the word says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible said that. And, then, and so the Lord said, you know, go in all world and preach the gospel. I'll never leave you. I said, Lord, I'm in your hands. Well, the next thing I know, I was getting extra bonuses and extra money. And next thing I know, and I can remember my wife and I walking through the snow in South Bend, Indiana, and her expecting my daughter at that time. Us walking through with two bags of groceries in our hand, laughing like kids, just kids that had just, uh, just, just so excited because we had two bags of groceries. Amen. And we had not bummed anybody for it. The Lord said, I'll never leave you for that. I'll always provide for your need. And the Lord will. Believe me, He will. Trust in the Lord. God is faithful in all things. Let me move on here because I'm, uh, I want to stay with uh, what I'm trying to get across to you here. So in, uh, in Matthew 28, in Hebrews 13, 5, it says this. I'm going to read this one to go, in, to go along with the one in Matthew 28. He said, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, this is Jesus now, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So the Lord has said that. I'll never leave you forsake you, folks. Put a line under that little part there. I'll never leave you forsake you. And 
If you ever get discouraged, put your hand on and say, Lord, I believe your word. Your word says it right here. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And God will be with us. How many of you have experienced those things? Just put your hand up. You don't just. Okay. See, there's hands all over the place. You went through some tough places, but the Lord brought you through. Because God is faithful in all of these kind of things. One other scripture that I'm going to give you here. That's not in your notes there, but this is just for free. <laughs> this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. I'm going to read this for you to you for, uh, in the Lord. And uh, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. It says, Know ye not that unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. That's men who act like women. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind, that's homosexuals. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Look at verse 11. And such were some of you. Such were some of you. That's where we came from. We came out of the world. The Lord brought us out. Just like he brought Israel out of Egypt, he brought us out of all kinds of mess. All kinds of things. Now... Everybody in here was an adulterer. No, I know that. Everybody in here was not uh, an abuser of themselves with mankind. I know all that. You, you, we're all that, but we were in the, what, some of these things. And verse 11, and such were some of you, but ye are washed. That means baptized. But ye are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's what happened to us when the Lord, we were baptized in that name. And, and... By the Spirit of our Lord God, which is the Holy Ghost. So God has put upon us his name, praise the Lord, when we're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And he also has baptized us, baptized us with the Spirit, which is the Spirit of God and the Holy Ghost as we often talk about it. So I'm just pointing out to you here that these scriptures are all in the Word of God to let us know that God is still with us. So the Lord, praise the Lord, has brought us out. He's brought it out with him. And then he says, I'll rid you of all bondage. This is things that hang on to us. Bondages. I'm going to read that, that verse again over here. And I'm looking here at chapter 6 and verse 6 of Exodus again. This is the first verse that we started out with. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the bondage of the magician, and I will rid you out of their bondage. And I will redeem you. Look at that. I will rid you out of their bondage. Praise the Lord. And uh, this is what the Lord does for us. When he then goes on to say with an outstretched arm. I will rid you out of. So I want to just talk to you here a minute. How the Lord will take away things in our lives, folks. That's impossible for us to ever get away rid of. Because God will take care of them. And the Lord was telling Israel, anything you've got hanging on you, I get rid of it. I will get rid of it when I bring you out of Egypt. And when we come out of the world, all of us, one way or the other, got things hanging on to us. And here's what he says here in Luke chapter 8, verse 1. This is concerning Mary Magdalene when she got saved. And she was a very special disciple to Jesus and really appreciated what he had done for her. And it came to pass, verse 1. Afterwards, that he went throughout all the, the city and the villages, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And twelve were with him. This is the disciples that followed Jesus. In verse uh, 2, 8-2 of Luke. And certain women 
which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And then he names a Mary called Magdalene, Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. So God cast out seven devils out of her. And she never forgot that the Lord cast all those things out of her life. And she was made clean and whole and pure. And, and uh, she didn't have all that devilish stuff in her life anymore. I'm pointing out to you here today that God is all power and he'll rid those things out of your life. I don't care where you came from. God has promised that he'd get rid of all those things in our lives and he is able to do it. And uh, so Mary Magdalene is an example. Matthew eleven twenty eight is another scripture that I'll read to you. Matthew eleven twenty eight. And it's the last three verses here in, uh, in, the, in the 11th chapter. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. This is what God has promised us. Come unto me, all ye that are meek with labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And then finally, verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the Lord has promised to give us rest. So when you come unto the Lord, folks, you can have all kind of burdens, problems, difficulties. You can say, there's no way God can ever deliver me of this. I've been in drugs. I've been in alcohol. I've been, you know, that's maybe where you've come from. And you make and name all kind of things. But I'm just telling you, the power of God is able to deliver anybody from anything. If they will come unto him and say, Lord, rid me of all of this. For the Lord had told Israel, I'll bring you out. I'll bring you out of the bondage that you're in, and I'll rid you of anything that's hanging on you. That's hanging on you. I'll take it all away because God has promised that he'd be faithful in all those kind of things. And so he is. Praise the Lord. Number two here. I'm going to go to number two. God brings us out of the world. Praise the Lord. God brings us number two here. God brings us out of the world. I just read that. One other scripture here that I'll read to you is uh, in Galatians 5. I'm going to... I'm down here. Mary Magdalene, I'm sorry. I'm in, the, I'm in B here. I will rid you of alcohol, drugs, tobacco, uh, porno, gambling. I've got all that written down. This is B and this is number two here. Look at that very closely here. And uh, he said, I'll take all these things out of your life. And, uh, and uh, I want you to look at Galatians 5.19 with us. Galatians 5.19. This is a supportive scripture. Look at 519. I'm going to read 19 through 21. This is Galatians 519. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings and such like of which I tell you before as I have told you in times past and they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. This is what the Lord brings us out of, folks. He can bring us out of anything, everything you see there. And he named a whole bunch of things there that he that He did. And he goes on to say he'll give us the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22. But I'm just saying the works of the flesh from the 19 to 21 here, all these things Paul was writing to this Galatians church and said, God can bring you out of all of that, and he has. If you're living for God, walking with God, serving the Lord, he's brought you out of all those things. 
And if you're just starting out, he'll deliver you from those things. And if you're letting some of those old grave clothes still hanging on you, folks, he can deliver you from those things. Praise the Lord. He's brought us out of all of that mess. Thank God for that. That's why when we come to church, don't do like this. Say, Jesus, I love you. You worship the Lord in the house of God. Thank the Lord. You say, oh, well, I'm not worthy to worship the Lord. Yes, you are. That's what the devil will tell you. Everybody owes God worship. Everybody. You owe him for your existence. The fact that you're even here. You're, you're alive. You're breathing air. We owe God praise. We owe him thanksgiving. We owe him thanksgiving for all the things that he's done for us. All that he's given unto us. All that he is to us. Your family, your homes, your cars, your your life, the breakfast you ate for breakfast this morning, every the, the dinner you're going to eat for dinner today, everything we owe praise to God. Therefore, we are not exempt from praise, and we're not exempt from thanksgiving. Praise the Lord. For God has done all of that, and he's brought us out of all kinds of mess out there in the world. Thank God for that. And some people say, oh, well, you know, I was into drugs, and I'm going, you know, it's pulling me back. Forget that. You find a place at the altar and pray. You seek the Lord. You ask a brother or sister, help me to pray. Amen. I'm not going back into that mess. God give you power and give you strength. Amen. That you can lay all of those things down. And if he can deliver Mary Magdalene from all seven devils in her, he can deliver you and I from anything out there the world may have ever had gripped on our soul. Oh, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands right now and just thank you. Lord, we love you so much, Jesus. You're so good to your people. Thank you for your delivering power. Thank you for your great grace. Thank you for your mercy, your goodness, God, your kindness, and your long-suffering toward us in everything, God. We praise you with all of our heart. We love you, Jesus. We glorify you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Praise God. I'm going to go to number C here. I want you to look with me in this. I will redeem you, redeem you. Now that word redeem has a little different swing to it. And I'm going to show you now, this gets more into detail here. I'm going to go back to uh, that uh, scripture in Exodus here. And uh, I'm reading here still in verse 6. I will, he says here, Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage. And I will redeem you. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and a great judgment. I will redeem you. Now, the word redeem means to buy you back. That means to buy you. I own you. I owe you. You owe me now. You don't, you don't belong to them. You don't, they don't own you. You belong to me. The Bible says in one place we're bought with a price. Bought with a price. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that because God has paid a big price Jesus did for you and I that we might be saved. He has redeemed us. Now, the word redeem, of course, I'm going to refer back over here to Leviticus. This is Leviticus, and it's chapter uh, 25, verse 47. I think that's in your scriptures. Yeah, here it is. Leviticus, Exodus 6, 6, I just read. Leviticus Twenty-five, four to seven. Look at that with us. And if a sojourner or a stranger wax rich by thee, and thy brother that dwelleth by him wax poor, 
and sell himself unto the stranger or sojourner by thee, or to the stocks of his families of his his strangers to the stock of the stranger's family. After that he is sold, he may be redeemed again. One of his brethren may redeem him. That means you can buy him back somebody else. Now, this is all brought out in the story of Ruth. You know about Ruth and, uh, and, and of course, uh, Elimelech who, and, and uh, Naomi who was in Bethlehem. They became very poor and they sold everything they had and everything. And they went over into Moab. And when they got to Moab there, they, uh, they, they, they got over there and everything. And their sons married two daughters there. And Ruth was one of them. And I won't go into all the detail here, but uh, Elimelech died and just left uh, Naomi with. And then the two sons married daughters and the sons died. And then there was two daughter-in-laws. And so Naomi says, I'm going to go back now, back to my land in Israel, back to Bethlehem, where they were from. And everything. And Ruth says, I'm going to go with you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you live, I'll live. Your God should be my God. And where you die, I'll die. I'm going to go with you. So she went back with her mother-in-law. And as you know, Boaz sought to buy the land that they owned and buy it back from whoever had bought it originally from them. And he could do that because he was a near kinsman. But in buying the land, he also had to inherit Ruth and raise up a seed from her, through her, for that son-in-law that had also died over in Moab. You know the story. It's a long story. Beautiful story. And Boaz did that. He did it. And so Boaz and Ruth had a child. And that child became the great-grandfather of David, King, who's King David in the Bible. That's evolved into that. Now, I'm just trying to tell you here that this is what the redeemed thing was all about. And in the book of Ruth, it tells you about how that Boaz wanted to redeem the land, and he also knew that he would also receive Ruth as part of the inheritance. Now, I'm just saying this, folks, that the Lord has redeemed us. He's bought with us, but he didn't do it with money. He bought it with a greater price than that. And I want you to look with me in the scriptures here where he talks about it. And I want you to look. I will redeem you. I will redeem you. Look at 1 Peter 1.18 with me. 1 Peter 1.18. And I uh, want to talk to you from my heart here. 1 Peter 1.18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. That's like money. As silver and gold. From your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers. In other words, that's the way they redeem things. But you were, uh, but with the precious blood of Jesus, we were redeemed, that is bought, back from the world and Satan and everything else, sin. But with the precious blood of Jesus, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So the Lord is telling us here in First Peter that we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going also to the book of Acts, chapter 20 and verse 28. This is Paul talking to the church at uh, Ephesus. And uh, he, was, he knew it would be the last time he'd ever see them. And he said these words to them. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, <clears throat> to feed the church of God, 
which he hath purchased with his own blood. These are scriptures that say that Jesus purchased us with his blood. Now, I know that's old hat, and I say, you say, oh, Brother Myers, we know all that. I know, I know, but I'm just letting you know again, praise the Lord, that God has let us know that he has, is, he has purchased us with his love and his mercy and his good grace. And uh, so he's letting us know here in the scriptures. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to find where I am in the scriptures here. Look in Ephesians. Look in Ephesians 1, 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of glory. And then in Colossians 1, 14, I'm just showing you here that these are all in the word of God. And uh, God's word here is with us. Colossians 1, 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, I know I've given you about four scriptures here, but I'm just showing you here that we have been bought with the price of Calvary, folks. There's no greater price than that that's been paid for us. And uh, I never will forget one time years ago, I had been, uh, my wife and I had been out evangelizing around up in the Midwest, and we were back in Florida, and we were at the Florida camp meeting. We were a young couple then. And I never will forget going to a, uh, the church to the tabernacle, the old tabernacle where we used to have the campground, the camp meeting. Now we got a new a new one that we're, we have church in. But this was the old one, and I never will forget that the preacher preached on Calvary and the blood of Jesus Christ. And man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I never will forget. I was sitting on the platform, and I never will forget that I turned around and knelt down. On that, on that platform and in my chair, and I cried like a baby. And I said, Jesus, you paid such a big price. I will never, as long as I live, forget how I felt that night. Something about the word of God, folks, that'll stir your heart. That'll get way down deep on the inside. I knew that. I knew that Jesus had shed his blood for me. I knew that he had paid that price but for some reason that night, it hit me the big price that Jesus went through that we might be saved. I mean, the suffering and everything and the, the whipping, the whips on his back. Forty-nine saved, I mean, forty saved one. Thirty-nine whips. And those guys, when they knew they were going to be crucified, when they whipped somebody, they whipped them hard because they knew they weren't going to live anyhow. And so if they die by the whip, it's okay. And they whip Jesus with a whip, 49 saved, 30, 40 saved one, 39 whips on the back. Then they mocked him and put that crown of thorns on his head and pushed it down. And those things pierced into his skull and, and cleared to his skull through his head, all over his head. This is not recorded in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it prophesied that his beard would be plucked out. And Jesus went through suffering. Can you imagine your beard being plucked out and your whole face is bloody red? This is before they put the nails in his hand. This is before they put, they didn't put them here. Somebody asked me that the other day. Brother Mark, didn't they put it in his wrist? I said, yeah, that's exactly where they put the, the nails went in through his wrist under here. But they didn't have a word for the wrist. This was the hand. They, in the Bible, there is no word for wrist. 
So they put the nail in, in his hand here so that he, he, when he painted, that joint here would hold it. They put it here, it'd come out through the fingers. His weight. They put it in his wrist and he hung there on the cross and they put his feet and nailed his feet to the cross. He hung there for six hours, hung on that cross. Three hours was midnight. He died. Died and suffered, folks. For three hours he suffered and bled and died. Forgave the, the people that crucified him. Forgave them. And forgave, praise the Lord, the thief on the cross that was next to him. Said, Lord, remember me and would come into your kingdom. He believed in Jesus. And he was a thief. And the Lord said, this day, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. And the man received his reward right there. The Lord forgave, forgave, forgave. And he suffered and suffered and suffered for hours. And I think, Lord, I, I, I doubt I could go through anything like that. Any of us could, all of us could probably say the same thing. But I am pointing out to you here that Jesus suffered for us that we might be saved. So if anything, he paid a big price for us, folks. And Jesus told those disciples, I paid a price for you to come out of Canaan. I paid the price and I want you to, for, for them to come out of Egypt. I want you to know that the Lord has paid a big price for us, praise the Lord, that we might be his people. Amen. And I will... And you will be my people. So he paid a big price. Praise the Lord. And I will redeem you. So I'm going to move on here. My time is getting low here. And I'm going to go to one more here. And we're going to wrap this up here this morning. God love you. And I want you to know here that uh, the Lord loves us with all of his heart. And uh, he'll never leave us nor forsake you. And then finally here I'm going to conclude with this. I'm going to read this last eighth verse he said verse seven i will be you will be my me and i will be your people verse eight and i'm going back to exodus chapter six i will bring you in into the land i'm going to take you in i'm going to take you in the lord has promised i'm going to take you into canaan's land praise the lord then he said i've loved you with all my heart i will keep my commandments and i will abide in your love I said, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. I'm reading here from St. John chapter 15, verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what he doeth. I have called you friends for all things that I have seen of my Father I have made known unto you. And the Lord is letting us know, praise the Lord, that he loves us, that he cares about us. And I'm down here at this very end here, John. 15, and the Lord said, I'm your friend. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you. You're my people. And then, of course, at the very end, he said, I'll bring you in. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes here. The Lord one day, folks, is going to take us to heaven. I don't know when it'll be. <clears throat> we do not yet know how we shall appear, but we'll be like him. We'll see him as he is. But the Lord's coming back. And he'll, he, nobody, even the apostles didn't know. That's why Paul, in writing in his time, even in his lifetime, uh, he said that we which are alive and remain, speaking about himself. He said that he didn't know if he'd still be alive. He didn't know when the Lord was coming back. Nobody knows the day nor the hour. When men start saying, oh, he's going to come such a day, they don't know. They don't know. Mark it on your calendar, he'll not come on this day because nobody knows the day nor the hour. But he will come and he's coming soon. When these signs begin to appear, then know 
then look up for your redemption draweth night. Signs are beginning to appear unto us today. Things are happening in the world. Folks, all kind of crazy things are going to be happening. But just remember, Jesus is coming soon. And he's coming back for his people that love is appearing. Praise the Lord. And uh, I'm going to uh, read over here in Revelations. I'm going to finish up with this verse of scripture. And uh, I love this verse of scripture. This is 21-2. This is a reward for us. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard great a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Verse 4, God shall wipe away all tears from your eyes. Excuse me. <coughs> everything you go through in this life, everything you go through will be worth it all. Praise the Lord. Heaven's going to be great. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Praise the Lord. In verse 5, and he said, Behold, sat down and behold, I have made all things new. Oh, don't you love the Lord today? Aren't you glad the Lord ever saved us and brought us out? So he brought us out of the world, and he's going to take us in. He's going to take us in in that day. Let's stand together, and let's just praise the Lord and thank him right now. Jesus, Jesus, we love you, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your wonderful truth. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your people. Thank you, Lord, for the love of God that you manifest to us all the time. Bless the morning service coming up, Lord. Touch our hearts with a touch from the heaven, Lord. We're your people called by your name, Lord, and we've come to worship you with all our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.